How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, it's Friday. It's the day before Halloween. That's right, October 30th. Um, unfortunately, guys, I am joined only by myself today. Unfortunately, Ben had a little uh, family business to attend to and was uh, and had to cancel last second. I mean, can't blame him there. Family comes first over everything. Hope everything's okay with him and his family. But so I've changed the way up. I'm going to do everything. So usually on Thursdays, I go on Cohen's podcast and we shoot just NFL only and pick all the games. So I'm going to put that at the end of this podcast. I'm just going to run down college football by myself. Obviously, I know y'all wanted to hear me and Ben go at it. I trust me. I wanted to as much as y'all did, but completely understand everything that's going on with him and his family. Hope the best for them. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead. Let's get down to everything. Or before I get down to everything, I just want to say this. Felt good to win money last night on the Falcons, man. It felt good to be right for once about a Falcons game, get a Falcons win. I mean, Young Ho missing that extra point. It felt like everything was falling in place perfectly for a Falcons L. Todd Gurley not running out of bounds, but hey, we got the monkey off our back. We got it done. Let's go ahead and get down two things here. I'm going to start things off with Auburn at home, LSU Visium. The line on this game is two and a half. Auburn, a two and a half point home dog. Um, the over-under for this game set is 65 and a half, and I can go ahead and make y'all one guarantee. The Tigers will win this game. Go ahead and lock that in. I don't know if y'all know or not, but <laughs> both teams are the Tigers, if you didn't get my joke there. <laughs> anyway, let's get things started off with this one. So the home team in this series is 17-3 and three ATS, and this line opened originally to pick them. I have Auburn more minus one here, so I am not necessarily agree with this line movement. I would take Auburn here, but LSU is the 119th pass defense in the league. And Auburn can't really pass the ball, so I'd just rather back off this one and see the way everything plays out. It'll be an interesting one to watch and whatnot. Don't think much defense shows up here either. Neither team has much defense. Um, LSU, in my opinion, is pretty overrated. I think that freshman quarterback played out of his mind first game. He was at home. Let's see how he actually does traveling on the road in an SEC environment. I mean, I don't know about y'all, man, but I don't think he's personally going to hold up as well. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and play on... Um, or I mean, I'm not necessarily going to play anything here. The only way I could play on this game is Auburn, but it should be a fun one to watch. That one's going to be on 330. We'll see if Bo Nix and this offensive line can actually buy him some time to throw. If Auburn had a prolific passing offense, probably be one of my biggest bets of the year on Auburn because they don't. I'm going to lay off this one except for um, just watching it as a fan. Next game will go to 12 o'clock. Y'all know we always do them. The Georgia Bulldogs, number five team in the nation. On the road at the Kentucky Wildcats. The spread on this one has Georgia's a 17-point road favorite. Over-under is at 42.5. I actually have an official play on this one. I'm going to go with under 42.5. So, look, I would honestly take Georgia minus the points here and lay the lumber. But at the same time, or I'm sorry, I would take Kentucky plus the points here. But Kentucky is 12-4 and ATS versus teams with a winning record in conference play. Georgia's failed to cover um, eight out of the last nine games against the spread before Florida. That's both spots here for both these teams. But the reason why I'm not going to is because Kentucky quarterback Terry Wilson is out here. Joey Gatewood's in there for Kentucky. He's an Auburn transfer. I personally think Gatewood's pretty good. I don't know if y'all remember or not, me and Ben both saying if he was playing, we would have taken them against Auburn. At the same time, he really has no experience with this team. Wilson's a huge part of this really good Kentucky run game. Georgia's the best defense in the league versus the run. I don't really know what we're going to get here. I think it's a horrible spot to be a starting quarterback making your first career start against the UGA defense. These are two the top two actually ranked defenses in the SEC. Both teams want to run the ball a lot. I mean, I don't see a lot of throwing going on in this game. I see a ton of running the ball. Georgia's going to try to keep everybody healthy and get on to next week to play the big game against Florida. I mean, that's the must-win game on both teams, Georgia and Florida's schedule. That's their, that's their national championship right there. Whoever wins that game is going to get another shot at Alabama, and then who knows what can happen from there. Therefore, I'm going to play under 42.5. It's a 12 o'clock start, everything. I think all signs point here to the under. So let's go ahead and play on that one and see what happens first there. Next game up here is Texas at Oklahoma State. So um, Oklahoma State is the only unbeaten team left in the Big 12. For those of y'all who didn't know that, they had a very convincing win last week against Iowa State. They're at home here once again as three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Over-under sit at 59. Um, Oklahoma State's also number six in the nation as well. There might be 13-mile-per-hour wind in the area. I don't think that's too effective. More when it gets in that 
in that 15 plus range when I started to pay a little more attention to it. But Tom Herman is a dog is 13, five and one against the spread. I don't think any of that matters here. Texas defense is horrible. I don't even think their offense is that good, honestly. I was expecting Ellinger and these guys to get better, especially when you have Eagles and all these other offensive weapons back. But, I mean, they look terrible, man. People forget they had 17 points for most of that game against against uh, Oklahoma. And at the very end of the game when they had to scramble, they started to come back in this game. I can't back Texas here. I'm going to hit Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State actually has one of the best defenses in all the Big 12 and a very slept-on defense in the nation. I would sit here and list out stats for you all, but Oklahoma State's are kind of tainted because their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, first full game back was last week, and he looked pretty good in that game. If Sanders takes care of the ball here, I don't see any way Oklahoma State doesn't win in cover. I mean, Dylan Stone or Tylen Wallace, one of the best wide receiver combos in the league. Then you have, in my opinion, the best running back in all of college football in your backfield with Chuba Hubbard. I think they get Hubbard going early and often. They run the ball all over Texas. I think Oklahoma State covers this one here easily. Official play, Oklahoma State minus three and a half. Um, let's go down the list here again. Um, you know, me and Ben kind of had a set way we're going to do this. I'm just going to pick and choose a few games here. I kind of kicked out the, the Alabama game since it's a higher spread. I don't really feel like talking about that one. Let's go with number three, Ohio State, on the road at number 18, Penn State. This one is Penn State is 11.5 point home dog. Over-under set at 64 and a half. Um, Penn State's got a lot of guys out, you know, and they obviously had a very disappointing loss last week. They're off that in a bounce back spot after losing their first game in Indiana, a game where they outgained Indiana. They just were sloppy and couldn't get going in time, had a lot of huge mistakes like running in that touchdown at the end. It's a weird game for them. Also kind of a look ahead spot at Ohio State here, but look guys, I personally think Penn State's a little untalented. They lost a lot of guys in the NFL, Micah Parsons, argue, I mean, I've seen him going number three on some of these mock drafts. He's not going to be in this game either for them. I think that's huge, the fact they won't have Parsons in there. I mean, he's he opted out for the entire season. Your star running back now is out for the season as well. I just don't think things are trending in the right direction here for Penn State. I took out Ohio State first half minus seven. I also took them full game minus 11 and a half. I don't think Ohio State's as good as they used to be. I personally think they were getting a bargain here on this number. I think Ohio State wins by 17 points or so. Look, honestly, I would love to back Penn State here in the spot at home with a huge rival coming in off a disappointing loss. I mean, all signs to be pointed to taking Penn State, but look, a wideout in that stadium is the best home field advantage spot in all of college football. I have it rated close to nine points. Most handicappers have it anywhere from seven and a half to nine points. That's how valuable a whiteout is in that stadium. Well, Big Ten's allowing zero fans in that stadium. There's going to be nobody in there except for the wind and God watching that game in person. Therefore, I don't think there's any way I can take them at home. They're going to have no crowd noise or anything to help them get behind it. If Ohio State doesn't win this game, it's just simple that they are overrated in this conference is overrated. Um, I think Ohio State, I think you got to lay the lumber with them here. I think that they come out hot. I think that the final score of this game will be like mm, like 38-17 Buckeyes. I think we cover and we get that first half pretty easily. I'm on both those here in this game. Um, one more game I'll hit here before that I kind of flip things over now to the, to the NFL segment with me and Cohen breaking down all the games. My last game here, number 15, um, North Carolina Tar Heels go on the road to face the 1-4 Virginia Cavaliers. The line is 7 now. It opened at 4 and went all the way up to 7. Look, this is either the trick or the treat of Halloween weekend here. I'm thinking it's a treat, though. There is no way that I'm not going to pound North Carolina here in this game. Also, apologize. These yard workers are going crazy on me in the background here. Look. You can break this game out any way you want. North Carolina's number 20 in total scoring offense, 22 in passing yards, 10th in rush yards, 6th in YPP. Defensively, Virginia's 83rd in YPP, 71st against the run, 115th against the pass, 89th in scoring. Look, this UNC offense is explosive. They're going to be able to get scores whenever they need. That's all I need to know right there. This UNC offense is so high-powered. Virginia's offense is very stagnant. Like Bronco Mendenhall, I personally think losing Bryce Perkins is a big loss for this team. So, therefore... I'm going to go ahead and take North Carolina here. Look, they have two of the, they have arguably, in my opinion, two of the best wide receivers in the ACC and the only backfield combo that averages over 100 yards rushing. You throw in there a Heisman-level quarterback with Sam Howell. This is an unstoppable team here. I think they're being a little underrated because of the way FSU lost last week and that looking like a bad loss on their schedule. Therefore, I have no problem laying the points here with UNC. If it didn't seem sketchy, I would make this a max bet in my game of the week. It is my ACC game of the week, though, as I always give out on this podcast. But go ahead and turn things over now to me and Cohen as we talk through every single NFL game on this podcast. So y'all get ready for all that. Y'all already know me and Cohen are going off. 
Ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, welcome to an extremely important episode, 145, 145 episode of the Daily Degenerate Podcast. I am joined via Zoom with my friend, Thomas Penland. Thomas, how's it going, bud? Hey, it's going good, Cohen. We got Falcons coming on here in a little bit, so I'm excited for that. At least maybe if the Falcons let us down, they'll let us down on Thursday night and not ruin our Sundays instead, so... It's a good thing, but hey, it's been a good week. It's been a hectic day. I don't know if those of y'all are too familiar with what happened in Georgia today. We had a little tropical storm. I didn't have power till about 11 o'clock today. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing as I just scramble for work. But, you know, guys, I'm excited. It's another week here. Hopefully I can finally get Cohen and he can stop beating me in all these games we go head to head. Well, hopefully not. Um, we do have some good news um, to kind of counteract the storm. It is Atlanta Falcons game day. We always love those. I don't care how bad we are. I don't care what our record is. I'm going to stand up and cheer for the Falcons because I love the Falcons. And we do have the Falcons Thursday night pick later on in this podcast. And I only have two more days left of sober October. So maybe next week uh, I'll be in a better mood for some of these podcasts and I'll be a little bit more mellowed out instead of on edge for everything. Um, Got myself a Budweiser Zero here. I felt like a damn idiot walking into the liquor store buying a case of Budweiser Zeros. Like, why even buy the beer then? That's how much of an alcoholic I am. I have to simulate the real thing. So uh, that's what I'll be drinking tonight, watching the Falcons games, a good old Anheuser-Busch Budweiser Zero. Thomas Penley. Hey, I want to say, wait, I want to say this ahead. real quick, Cohen. I'm very proud of you for making it this oh, far in sober October. Thank I you, hope thank you can you, make it you. through tonight. It's no, it's going to be tough with our Falcons, but it the is. good news is Cohen, you're almost there. I'll pour one out for you tonight. If we don't win, please do. I'm going to go absolutely ape shit on Halloween because I started a week <laughs> before um, October started. So I figured I, a, a week for a, a day on the holiday would be a fair trade. So Halloween, if you're in my way, you better watch out because I am going absolutely bonkers on Halloween. Like you're, you're going to have to carry me home in a wheelbarrow. Hey, all I know is I'm not going to be the one pushing that wheelbarrow. I'm putting no, that on Q or Brad or somebody. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, last week uh, is what we, me and Penland call a chalk week. A lot of the favorites and the favorites that had big spreads and, and had a lot of money disparity, they actually pulled through and won some for us. Um, so, Vegas lost a little bit of money last week. I, I'm not quite sure of the statistics, whether they had a winning week or a losing week per se, but I know it was more of a losing week for Vegas and, and a winning week for the Joes, kind Kind of in comparison so this week be on the lookout because vegas is going to try to make somebody pay this week they're uh they're, they're back out for blood so be wary of some of these big spreads and some of these games with a lot of money disparity because vegas is on the lookout this week so as we get into our picks for the nfl this week let's go ahead and do thursday night our atlanta falcons are traveling to carolina to play the panthers already played the panthers once they beat the shit out of us Thomas Penland, how do you feel about the second game in the division rematch? So, Cohen, one right now. You know, I love that. I've locked in two earlier today, so that makes me feel any better. But Cohen knows me well. Y'all know me well. Y'all know I love my trends and angles. I got one here for y'all. On Thursday night in the NFC South, same season revenge games for a home loss by less than 20 that's the falcons they lost the panthers last game less than 20 i believe it was like 12 or some weird number like that yeah it's like 14 the, or 16 yeah the, and the line is less than 10 like cohen said it's one in this situation they're 13 one against the spread so hey there's a great, let's fucking that's, go that's, that's what i'm saying man that's a great news for us right there um, beyond that, look, I honestly liked the Falcons before I even saw that about 20 minutes before I hopped on this podcast and I already locked them in at plus two. I still like a money line. I like them anything. We're winning this game straight up. Look, Panthers are a good team when they're an underdog. Teddy Bridgewater is 22 and five in his career as an underdog. And look, this team, when you don't really have expectations for them, they have a good offense. So they have a very young defense. They have Joe Brady calling plays. I think that they're a great team to take as a dog. I took them plus seven against the Saints. I know I said on here, I wasn't, I was leading Saints, but once I saw Sanders and, uh, Thomas route, I knew it was a good spot. And I mean, they had a chance to win that game outright at the end. I'll say this too. Look, both these teams, when you look at them, the Falcons are substantially more talented. The Falcons don't have idiot Dan Quinn in there calling plays anymore. I mean, if Todd Gurley could fall down, I mean, if we could finish games right now, the Falcons could be four and three. When you look at DVOA, the Falcons should for sure have two wins. I'm going to go ahead and give them that third one just because of the way we've blown all these games away. 
Look, Falcons, in my opinion, are underrated. Yes, they are the Falcons, but still, I think they get it done here, man. I mean, when Ron Rivera was in Carolina, we had beaten them seven out of the last eight times we had played against them. So, I mean, we, we're not scared of this Carolina team. We've been known for beating them up and everything. I think we can get to Teddy Two Gloves in the squad. I was honestly going to take the over, but this weather's questionable, man. And, look, I would go ahead. I was going to go ahead and lock the under in now, but I can't tell you two, three, I guess it was two weeks ago in college football. It was supposed to be the weekend of weather. It didn't start raining until 8 o'clock, and I was reading at 12 o'clock kickoffs. It was supposed to start raining at 12.15, like monsooning. Didn't rain at all. I got absolutely destroyed meteorologists can be wrong nine times out of 10 and still have their job. I'm not putting it to that. Let's go with the Falcons here to get back on track. Yes. Um, even, even with that loss that we suffered to the Panthers earlier this year, um, the Falcons are seven and two in the last nine meetings against Carolina. Um, if you guys know my, myself and Thomas Penland, which I like to hope that some of you do is that we never bet on our own teams. I'll bet against my team. Thomas won't bet either for or against. This is a rare. Whoa, whoa, I'll bet on them. I'll bet on them, but only if I'm really confident, but I refuse to bet against. Well, this is one of those exceptions where me and Penland are very confident in the Atlanta Falcons this year, which is, which should have a shot in the head or sent to an insane asylum. But these division games in the NFC South are usually split, no matter how bad or good the Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, or Panthers are. It's usually a split between most of these division games. That's why that's how I'm going to ride tonight, and um, especially because the Panthers are at a 55-45 money split disparity between the public. I like the Falcons to um, to to beat up Vegas and uh, let's ride on the Atlanta Falcons today. Plus one or money line. I'm going to take the money line. Yeah. Also too, I'm not wearing my cursed Jersey. I'll kind of take the blame for that loss last week. I have a Deion Jones Jersey. We've never won a game while I'm wearing it. I said I was going to wear it every single game for the rest of the season until we win a game in it. Well, I, I got this new one in the mail earlier this week. Got to put it on for that reason. And two, we got money on the Falcons tonight. I can't be cursing us. Yeah, so let's move on to a tough a game that's going to be really tough to handicap, in my opinion. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Um, Pittsburgh riding high after that kind of, I wouldn't say lucky, but it was a very uh, circumstantial victory last week against Tennessee with the field goal kicker missing, uh, Goskowski missing the field goal late in the game last week to send the game to overtime. Baltimore is a four-point favorite right here. Um, early in the week, I kind of – the, the, the way that I play and the way that, that, that I, I like to see NFL games, I like to play schedule poker and I like to look at team personalities and, and, and I kind of like to gauge my, my reactions and things like that. Early in the week, I was feeling that Pittsburgh was down to let us down kind of later on in the season and they were due for a loss here soon. And I still feel the same way. There is a public money disparity that is absolutely humongous. It's like 85-15 right now in, in favor of the Steelers. So I'm going to take the Ravens minus four to win by a full score score oh Cohen we're on the opposite side on this one hey I got to go ahead and give Cohen credit man he got me head to head last week in that uh Pittsburgh and uh Tennessee game look if it wasn't for Tennessee probably playing the worst first half they've ever played might have been able to catch my ticket there on them um not gonna lie that one hurt a little bit not being able to cash but yeah look this week guys I'm loving, I'm loving the Steelers once again. I think it's just too many points in a game that's going to be tight. Mike Tomlin is an underdog. is 60% against the spread. Um, also, too, you know, I, I, this Pittsburgh team matches up well. Lamar Jackson against the Blitz has not been playing well at all. In fact, Lamar Jackson, when he goes up against the Blitz, has been completing his career worst number against passes on the opposite side of things. So this, and also, too, the Steelers are the most Blitz-happy team in the NFL. Another big stat here for you, too, is Pittsburgh is the best team in the league against the Blitz. The Ravens blitz the second most, only to Pittsburgh here. Also, too, the Ravens, they're 31st in the NFL in passing offense. Steelers are eighth against the pass. They're second against the rush. The Ravens are first in run offense. The only good thing for the Ravens, literally, when you look at pull up their defensive stats, this defense hasn't been that great. They are sixth in YPP, so they're, I mean, they're not giving up big plays. The Steelers are third, though. But the Ravens are 10th against the run, 16th against the pass, but they're first against the score. So I think they've been a little fortunate. They've gotten some turnovers. I think all that fortunate stuff turns away. Look, I think the Ravens probably win this game straight up. I think Pittsburgh gets the cover. 
Um, it's going to be tough for me to back the Steelers because last week there were so many public money games that was so stacked on. And I'm not going to ride on the back of any more public money this week. I feel like that's a dangerous game to play. Pittsburgh has most of it, like 85% of the public money right now, which there could be a late push in the weekend on some late money coming through some of the casinos. But as of right now, I like the the, the, the Ravens to win by by the four that they're, they're favored by. Um, this is going to be a good letdown spot for Pittsburgh. I bet on them last week. Week. I will not bet on them again this week. Let's talk about the biggest spread that we will see this week. Opened at 21 between the Jets and the Chiefs is now at 19 and a half. Um, there's no way that that, that, that that you'll take Chiefs minus 20 right here. Will you, Penland? Mm, Cohen, I can't do it, honestly. Look, it's a Le'Veon Bell revenge game. The Jets suck. I mean, I could sit here and list stuff for you for hours. I just don't even see any value in touching this game at all. I'm not going to play in a six-point teaser. I know some of y'all love these 13-point super teasers. Like, I don't see anything great about laying minus 130 and having to pick three things to happen. I mean, I think that's a complete waste of your money. That's about the only way I could possibly play Kansas City. I mean, I could maybe throw together a super teaser, but to be honest with you, laying minus 130 with that is just foolish to me. I mean, Kansas City wins this game easily. The Jets did finally cover the spread last week. You know, if the Jets hadn't covered the spread still yet and were 0-7 against the spread, I probably would back them here. But, I mean, I don't want the, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this game. I mean, maybe the under – usually when the, when the total is half of the uh, spread, the correlation works well, but – I'm probably just going to leave this one alone and sit back and watch Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey give me a lot of fantasy points. Well, this is the David DeGeneres podcast where we are forced to pick every single game spread, regardless not. Um, I will be, if gun to my head, I will be taking the New York Jets plus 19 and a half. Wow. I don't care if – I don't care that this is the best team in the NFL against the worst team in the NFL. I, in good conscience, cannot give anybody a minus 20 right here. Jets plus 19 and a half is the only play right here to me. This is one of those classic traps where the Jets keep it close in the first half and the Chiefs just kind of, you know, find their way to win by two scores late in the game. Yeah, just because we have to play it. I'm really in the same way as Cohen. There's no way I can lay that many points. There's always a chance for a backdoor and whatnot. Yep. Why not? Yeah, so next we have the Tennessee Titans who are on a revenge tour against the Cincinnati Bengals. Opened at three and a half. It's all the way to five and a half now. There is an absolutely humongous, and I mean humongous, public money disparity. 95% of the public money right now is on um, Tennessee Titans. Does that make me automatically want to take the, 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 the Bengals? No, but after more research, after it has went all the way up to five and a half, um, maybe buy yourself a half point here, go all the way up to six to cover, you know, the, the, the one touchdown without the extra point. I'll take the Bengals plus six. Yeah, I'm actually with you on, on this one, Cohen. I haven't made my official bets yet for the week. I've made a couple of them. But this one's actually one that I'm considering. I kind of like the Bengals too. Like this Tennessee defense is absolutely horrible. I mean, they've been so bad. They haven't even really been getting to the quarterback and getting sacks. They can't get off on the field on third down. I mean, it was so frustrating having money on them and watching that Steelers game because they had the Steelers so many times in third down and longs, and every single time somehow Pittsburgh managed to get it. I mean, they're 26th against the pass, 25th in rush yards, 23rd in YPP, 27th in number of plays. So, I mean, regardless of if Joe Mixon plays or not, I don't think any of that matters. I'm with you on this one, Cohen. I personally think this is a great spot to fade the public. I think the Titans have been overachieving due to how bad that defense is. I still think the Titans are good. I still think they're a playoff team. But that defense, man, cannot stop anyone or get them off the field. I think six points is too many, and I think there are many chances, too, for a backdoor here. I just remember last week whenever you tried to plainly look me in the eye and tell me that Mike Vrabel was a better coach than Mike Tomlin. That just hey, – that, that really just blew that me still. away. That really just blew me away, Penley. Look, you're, I still think both of them guy. are top ten coaches in the league and not, not even top five coaches in the league. I'm just a huge Vrabel guy, man. I still think that game plan he had against Baltimore is one of the best game plans I've ever seen. Well, hell, me too. I, I, I think Vrabel's a top ten guy, but Tomlin's definitely like a top four guy. Mm, I don't know about top four. Look at what he does year in and year out with, with with wholly untalented teams. I can name four ahead of – hey, I, I agree with you. Trust me, Cohen. I agree with you, but I can name four off the top of my head right now better than him. 
All right, we'll save that conversation for another day. Rams and Dolphins, um, the Rams have been kind of flying high. Uh, Dolphins are winners of two straight. Um, they've only allowed 17 points in their last two games. Shut out the Jets last week for a 24 to nothing loss. Um, the spread right now is three and a half. Rams minus three and a half. I hate being on top of the three in case the field goal at the end doesn't cover it. It's a 50-50 money split, so I'm just picking right here who the better team is. I'm going to say the L.A. Rams minus three and a half. Hey, we're on the opposite side on this one, Cohen. And honestly, I kind of think I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on this one and play the Dolphins, actually. Look, the Rams have one of the best defenses in the league. The Dolphins' defense has been good, too. They've been getting off the field. They're eighth in time on the field, third in total points, 11th in number of plays. I like seeing all those. YPP, though, they're 20th, so they have been giving up big plays. That's the one thing they got to cut down on. This offense was already playing pretty well. They're 12th in scoring. The other numbers aren't as good as you would like to see them be. But, look, I think there's a fundamental change with this team with bringing in to attack of Iloa. I mean, you can say what you want to. This is his first career NFL start and whatnot. I think it's a bad spot for the Rams, the fact they played on Monday night. Now they travel into the Eastern time zone. They play at 1 o'clock, and it's going to be hot and humid, so they're going to get tired in the second half. Those are two really good angle, angles right there to help you play against the Rams. Also, too, look, Tua sat here all week. He listened to, wow, Joe Burrow's impressed us. Wow, we're so impressed with Justin Herbert. That's all he's been hearing all season long while he's been riding the pine. It's his time to shine, man. I thought Tua was the best player in this entire draft. I think he will be when it's all said and done. I think Tua is going to come out here, man, make a name for himself, throw the ball all over him. I think the Dolphins beat the, beat the Rams outright here. I'm taking the three and a half points, though, because I mostly I only play against the spread. Yeah, that's a, that's a good spot to be in to cover that whole field goal. And I hate using these kind of notes in a, in a pro NFL game, but the Miami Dolphins have had a week and a half now to sit there and stew on the fact that their starting quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was playing great, by the way, got no, benched. Great may be a strong word, who was playing well. and D watched, Above average. Which is well. And watched his job be given away to a rookie who didn't do anything to deserve it yet. I can understand that you wanted to have the bye week to have more tape and more time to get to a, into the into, into what's going on. But I think that if the team has any sort of brotherhood aspect or any sort of the NFL locker rooms that we're led to believe that they will not play as well for Tua as they will for Ryan Fitzpatrick. For that reason, I'm going to ride with the Rams right here and um, get, give a little bit of Tua first game jitters. Hey, I want to combat that real quick. Um, look, I personally think the players are excited about this, man. Tua comes in. People forget – Tua played two bad games, and both of them were when he was injured when he was in college. When he was healthy, he showed out and looked like God's gift to football. Like, and I'm not even saying that as like a joking around. Like, he looked amazing. He looked unstoppable. I mean, he threw like three interceptions the entire time he was in college. I think he has the best ever interception to touchdown ratio in college football history. I mean, this kid is an absolute freak, man. I think he's going to come out here, show off what he can do. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick – has always been the same quarterback for two or three games. He'll look like, wow, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a star is a top 10 quarterback in this league. Then the next two or three games, you're like, wow, Ryan Fitzpatrick might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. That's what he's always been. He was horrible to start the year off. He got hot there for a little bit. He still threw two interceptions in that Jets game. I think it's time to change the guard. I think Tua is ready. And I think Tua is about to take over. I mean, realistically, if Tua never got hurt in college, we might be talking about one of the best quarterbacks to ever play college football. That's how good he was. Yeah, I, and I can understand all this, and, and I did think Tua was the second-best quarterback in, in this year's draft, so I do have high expectations for Tua. First game getting thrown into the mix and with the benching of the quarterback that everybody loved, who everybody says is, is the best teammate in the NFL, I'm not buying it first game, maybe a few games down the line. Let's talk about the Colts and the Lions. Um, I see two-and-a-half right here, Lions plus two-and-a-half. Humongous money disparity in terms of the Colts and the Lions. The Colts have a lot of the public money, talking about like 80 compared to 20% for the Lions. Um, if, if it stays at two and a half, I'm going to play the Colts minus two and a half. Lions have won their last two. Shouldn't have won last week against the Falcons, but me and you both know that all too well. Um, they've won, Lions have won three out of 
their last four, but Indianapolis is the better team, and I think they will win by a field goal. And over the last few weeks, the the Colts have learned how to score a little bit better in the, in the in the red zone and actually convert touchdowns from field goals. And uh, Philip Rivers is starting to get more comfortable in his spot. I'm not in love with Philip Rivers, but he's starting to get more comfortable in this spot. Uh, Indy can run the football, they can pass the football, and they can play a little bit of defense here. I like them to win outright, or not outright, but I, I like them to win by a full score against the uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah, so I actually see plus 106, and you can get the Lions at, my, at plus three at minus 122. And look, I'm willing to lay a little vig here to get to a key number of plus three. I'm personally going to be playing the Lions this Sunday. Look, I think the Lions, first off, First thing you got to look at, man, is against the Bears, Packers. Against the Packers, they were leading at halftime. They ended up getting smoked in the second half. Against the Saints and the Bears, they were pretty much up the whole game and blew it. I mean, DeAndre Swift catches a pass. That's another win right there for them. Or if they could finish those games, they're almost like the reverse Falcons. That win on the road at Arizona looks 10 times better right now, too, with how Arizona's been playing. Look, I think this Lions team's underrated. I picked them to make the playoffs before the season started. I believe they also just made it – yeah, they made a trade to get Everson Griffin in there, too. So, I mean, the morale's got to be up with this team right now. Also, too – they didn't have superstar wide receiver Kenny Galladay for three games. Once they got him back in there, look how much his stats have jumped. He's had more yardage every single game. I mean, the catches this guy made against the Falcons were freakish, especially that one where he jumped up in traffic. I think he adds a whole new explosive dynamic to this offense. Also, DeAndre Swift looks like he's starting to get more comfortable and like they've kind of passed the guard with him on offense. I think this is a great spot to play on Detroit here. Indianapolis does get Anthony Costanza back. I mean, look, this is not going to be a max bet or anything for me, but also too, I don't buy Indianapolis and Phillip Rivers. I think Phillip Rivers is a turnover machine. I think this is the perfect game, perfect storm and everything. I think Detroit's going to keep it under the spread, and I wouldn't be shocked if Detroit wins outright and pulls an upset. I think Indianapolis gets is overrated. Well, the Lions have been, you know, average against the pass, but really bad against the run. I think that the Colts run the ball a little bit better than the, than the Falcons do. So I think they can exploit that going going forward. Um, I do agree with you. The Lions do look really good, and I am kind of a fan of this Lions team. The introduction of, of an actual running game uh, with Matthew Stafford and, and, and his cannon of an arm in the passing game has really shown that this team can be two-dimensional. Defense hasn't been as bad as it has been in years past, but because of still the in the running game, I'm going to, I'm going to play the Colts here. Let's say, well, also too, Cohen, the Detroit's fourth in the league against the pass and 15th against the rush. I mean, obviously Indianapolis's stats are going to jump off the page to you of how good their defense has been, but no, I could also counter argument too here. Indianapolis hasn't beaten anyone who's any good yet this season. So I'm waiting for Indianapolis to prove to me that they're worth, worth getting any kind of hype. I mean, they lost at Jacksonville. They beat Minnesota. That's not a good win. They beat the Jets. That's not a good win. They beat the Bears at home. That's not a good win either. Nope. They lost. They got smoked by the Browns. They didn't lose them. They got smoked. And they barely beat the Stinky Bengals. They had to come back down 21 nothing to win that game. I just I think Indianapolis is overrated. I think Indianapolis needs to trade for Matt Ryan this offseason, and then they'll be a Super Bowl contender. And um, take this with a grain of salt, but Indianapolis does have about 80% of the public money right now. This, this will be the one game that I think I do play with more than 60% of the public money on one team. Hey, also this guy's too. Me and Cohen have been against each other a lot the last few weeks. You know how that's worked out for me, so – We'll see what happens. Well, I am due for a fall-off week, um, especially because I was so good last week. So, everybody, proceed with caution. Um, Let's talk about what I think is the second hardest game to handicap this week, uh, Patriots and Bills. Both of these teams have kind of had lackluster performances over the past three weeks, but at least the Bills were able to get a win out of one of them. The the, the question that I have posed, uh, it's it's Bills minus three and a half and Patriots plus three and a half. The question that I have posed is, what's more likely? Who is what, what's a what's a more convincing team to actually get back on track? Is it the Bills or the Patriots? I think the answer to that question is the Bills. The Bills are more likely to get back on track to winning by full possessions and actually playing really good football. I think the Patriots are in a really bad spot with three defensive starters out, Cam playing so badly, a lot of guys injured. Um, in kill Harry really not working out. I think they're in a really bad spot, but it's really tough for me to bet against Bill Belichick getting his fourth loss in a row. So I don't know what to think about this one. Gun to my head, I would say Bills minus four, or it's three and a half now, so Bills minus three and a half, but I don't know, man. I'm not very confident in that. I was waiting to see what, what you were going to say about Bills versus Patriots. 
Yeah, so y'all know me. I've been the big Buffalo backer all season long. Look, Buffalo, and win total-wise, they were ninth coming into the season. Right now, they're ranked about 13th in power ranking. So I'd say, honestly, if anything, this Buffalo team is exactly what they thought they were. Um, I think the Buffalo's biggest problem is these cluster injuries they have in their secondary. You know, they haven't had Tredavious White. They haven't had Milano. Yes, I know Milano is a linebacker, but he's also the best coverage, arguably the best coverage linebacker in the NFL outside of, like, Bobby Wagner's and guys like that. Um, I think that having Josh Norman and all these guys out definitely hurts, but New England, Cam Newton cannot be, I wouldn't, he doesn't have a noodle arm, obviously, but it looks like he throws the ball too hard. It looks like he's like rearing back. And I've said this forever. Ball. I've said this forever. Cam Newton throws baseballs in a football world. If he would quit throwing the ball with so much central zip and, and too hard, he, he would be a whole lot more friendly to wide receivers. No, that's what I'm saying, man. It's like Cam Newton looks lost. I mean, honestly, look, the Patriots, realistically, if I could have won the Patriots last week, I would have had a great week last week in the NFL. The Patriots absolutely ruined me last week. And, you know, I thought it was a good spot and everything. Look, I personally think this Patriots team, we could, we've kept on saying this, you know, Bill Belichick off a loss, Bill Belichick off a loss. Well, I have learned from experiences in the past that when you write Bill Belichick off, it's wrong, but I'm willing to do it right here and back the Bills. This Patriots team sucks. I mean, that defense looks awful. They made Jimmy Garoppolo look like that he's worth it again at quarterback. I mean, I think this team is horrible. I mean, they had so many guys opt out because of COVID. I mean, there's a reason why nobody wanted to sign Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton, he looks horrible, man. I think Buffalo is going to stiffen up here. I think they were in an awful scheduling spot back-to-back weeks. Like, they didn't even know if they were going to play Tennessee until the day of the game. And then you have to turn around and play the best team in the league with Kansas City on short notice. Like, that's just awful scheduling in general for Buffalo. Like, I think they, I, I think last week, too, you know, they got unlucky. They couldn't score any t- touchdowns. I mean, they had a lot of unlucky plays go their way last week, and they still found a way to pull a game out. That says a lot about a team. I think Buffalo comes out motivated here. You know, New England's beat up on them as the big brother. They see them down, and I'm sure they're looking at this as, man, they're down. People are doubting us right now. Let's come out here and smack them and tell Bill Belichick to go retire. I think that's what Buffalo does. I think they come out and smack them. I would make this a max bet, but at the same time, you still got to look at it as is Belichick going for his fourth straight loss, but I'm definitely definitely more than willing to risk money on Buffalo in this spot. I think it's a great spot for them to get on track. I agree with everything that you just said. Um, I think this is, from, from a storyline standpoint, this is kind of where they hand the division over to Buffalo, um, especially this year. Um, I think I, I like what you said. You can't really write Bill Belichick off, and, and I'm not going to next week. This is not the week to, 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 to start standing on, on, on Bill Belichick and, and act like he's about to save everybody. Um, the money disparity is, is 50-50 shot right now, so I have no quarrels about taking Bills minus three and a half. This is a game that's going to get a lot, a lot of, lot of attention. Um, the Raiders versus the Browns. Jeremy Kuhn actually sent me a pretty good little note on um, – on the Browns, or, or, or actually, um, or no, 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 wrong game, sorry. Um, th- this is a minus three game for the Browns right here. The Browns are three-point favorites. Um, I like the Browns to win this game outright, but I do think the Raiders will cover if it goes to three and a half. So it, if, if, it's, if it's a three, you can play the Browns, but if, if it goes any more than three, I'm playing the Raiders. Wow, so well, – we are kind of on the same side here in this one. So first off, I think it was, I can't remember what show it was on, but they put up the stat that Baker Mayfield actually is a much better passer when Odell Beckham is not on the field. I think that'll translate well into this game. Also too, the Raiders offensive strength is rushing the ball and the Browns are currently fifth in the league against the rush. I think more of that holds up here for Cleveland. I really, really like this spot for Cleveland. This is my most confident play of the entire week here is playing on the Browns. And here's my main reasoning. Look, the Browns running the football right now are unbelievable. They're second in the league running the football. <laughs> this, this defense for the Raiders is 17th. And when I look at this, this Raiders defense and these teams that the Browns have lost to, the Browns, when you look at their losses, I mean, they got blown out by Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Those are probably two of the hardest-hitting, hard-nosed defenses in the entire NFL. 
I mean, the Browns got smacked in the mouth by both of them. I think this is the perfect spot against a lackluster Raiders defense for the Browns to come out here and have a ton of success. I think Kareem Hunt's going to have a massive day. If you're playing one-week fantasy, I would think he's a must-start player in your lineup this week. I think the Browns are going to win this one by 10 to 7 points. I like the Browns to come out here and cover and get a massive win. This is my, this is my favorite bet of the week. I'll make this my NFL lock of the week. I will say this, um, there is some good value on Raiders Moneyline plus 140 in a game that I think is going to be decided within within three to five points. But I do think the Browns win this one outright, and I'm on the same side with you. Cleveland runs the ball really well. The Raiders don't play very great run defense. The Raiders are starting to find themselves more and more as the season goes on. The Browns are kind of riding high, and overall, I don't think the Browns are a team to be that scared of. But the way that they've shown that they can run the ball and with Kevin Stefanski getting tight ends more involved as the year goes on, running a whole lot more 12-man personnel, um, I do like the Browns to win this game. Uh, you can play anywhere from two to three points, but if it goes above three, I would stay away. Yeah, I've got two and a half locked in. I also want to say this too. I mean, this is another classic West, West Coast team to the East Coast. We got that on our side right here. Also too, it's Probably going to be a little chilly up in Cleveland. And keep your eye out on the weather as well. There's nothing I would love than a cold, cold day in, uh, in Cleveland right here for the Raiders. I'm, I'm loving the Browns, man. So we got the um, NFC North matchup that all uh, Minnesotans and um, Wisconsinites live for. Vikings at the Pack. Um, this is a game that the, that, that the Packers usually win 90% of the time. Because the public money is so on the side of the Packers, I do I'm scared to take the Packers minus six and a half, but until the Vikings show me that they can hang with Aaron Rodgers, I will not. I'm going to take the Packers minus six and a half to win over the Vikings by one score. Packers are looking to avenge that loss against the Buccaneers. Um, I'm feeling good about the Packers to win this one by a full, full, full score. So I was actually seeing sevens, and that was the line that I wanted to grab was a seven. I'm actually on the other side here, not for a big bet, but I definitely like a play on the other side. Dalvin Cook is going to be back, which adds another dynamic to this Minnesota offense. You know, like you said, man, Minnesota hasn't fared well playing at Green Bay. But at the same time here, Green Bay's defense is pretty awful. 19th in points per game, 20th in pass yards, 12th in rush yards, 21st in YPP. So they're allowing big plays down the field. Kirk Cousins plays substantially better at 1 o'clock. Um, Adam Thielen's even been talking in these in these interviews all week long saying, you know, I'm ready to play, man. I'm fired up. They're off a of bye week here. Zimmer off a of bye is, an, is a very good coach as well. You know, I think this is the perfect storm and everything for Minnesota to come in here and get a cover. I mean, this Packers team, I think they're good, but I don't think they're world beaters like that. I will say this too. I'm definitely going to play the Packers in a teaser because, I mean, in a six-point teaser, you get that half point, or even if it's yep. seven, you get that minus one. I think that I think you can middle and win on both sides in this one. I like Minnesota against the spread, and I also like the Packers as one of my most confident teaser teams this week. They'll be in my super – they'll be in my five-team teaser and in my three-team teasers this week. I'm actually going to play – more a couple more teasers this week than I usually would I think it's I think it'll work a little bit better as a strategy so we are moving on to the four o'clock slate on Sunday afternoon Chargers at Broncos the Chargers opened at minus three and they are still at minus three loads of public money on the Chargers does that make you want to take the Broncos you know, usually at Wood Cohen, I think this is a game I'm not going to touch because you know the Broncos as a home dog has been a pretty good spot in the past in gambling as we've learned, but I really like what I'm seeing from this Chargers team. And I feel like they're surging, you know, they're, they haven't been exactly great at putting the ball in the end zone. They're 21st, but they're fifth in pass yards and 13th in rush yards. I mean, this offense is playing great fifth in time on the field, fourth in number of plays. I feel like they've just been a little bit unfortunate. I mean, this is a Denver defense that's decent, but still is missing a lot of guys here. To me, it's a Chargers or pass kind of game. I just feel like that, like you said, you know, this could be a little public trap game right here on the chart, trying to play on the Chargers. But I love what I've seen out of Herbert. The Broncos haven't given me any reasons whatsoever to want to come out here and back them. Um, I'm going to end up passing this game ultimately. But, it, it, I mean, this is the Daily Degenerate Podcast podcast. I'm picking the Chargers, man. I mean, I really think, too, the Chargers have a good defense. I think the Chargers have a decent team. Before the season started, I said they were one of my most fringe playoff teams there is. So, this is a win you need if you're a French playoff team. Yeah, um, I, this is a game where you can kind of finagle with a half point and you can win on either side. I think if you were to go Chargers minus two and a half, you could, you could, 
you could win that game outright by by not just pushing on, on the field goal. Or if you wanted to go to Broncos plus three and a half, you could win just by not pushing on the field goal. So that's probably what, uh, what I'll end up doing just for just the sake to not side with the public, just to be a contrarian. I will go Broncos plus three and a half by the half point to get all the way up to three and a half. The money disparity is just too scary for me. After how many that I rode last week that had a big money disparity, this week I'm going to stay away from those. Let's talk about the Saints and the Bears opened at three. Now it's four and a half. Saints are minus four and a half. Um, I think the Bears are kind of frauds, especially with Nick Foles. There's really no other explanation for me. I'm going to go Saints minus four and a half. We should get both star wide receivers back this week. Waiting to see how the late week injury reports go out. But I'm going to take Saints minus four and a half. So, Cohen, this is a tough one for me. It is. It, this, this is a tough game to pick, especially at four and a half. So I've been hearing there's going to be 25 mile per hour wins in this game. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'll believe it when I see it. Being a meteorologist, you can be wrong nine times out of 10 and still be employed. Um, this, is, this is a tough one for me. Both these teams, like the Bears are 32nd in run offense. So if there's heavy win, I have no problem whatsoever backing the, backing the uh, Saints here. One, th one factor that scares me just a little bit is the Bears looked awful on Thursday night football, and I feel like this line should be a little bit higher. I mean, on Monday night football, I feel like this line should be a little bit higher. It still is a bad spot and everything for the Bears. Yeah. It, it kind of honestly reminds me of the game last year when Teddy Two Gloves came in there for the Saints and smacked the shit out of the Bears. I feel like it could be that same spot once again. I'm with you on this one. What is the, did you say there's a big money disparity on this one, or is, no, no. is that a no? Literally, it's it's close to closest to 50-50, I think, that we've seen all week. Well, shoot, I'll I'll gladly blindly lose on the Saints in this situation. Me if there's too. a 25-mile-per-hour win, give me the Saints no matter what. If not, I'll have to think about it a little bit more. But, I mean, shoot, if there's no big public disparity on this one, I don't know how we could not back the Saints. I think that me and you are on the same exact page. As long as there's no big public money disparity and it's really – if me and you were just picking the better team to win by a full score, I have no problem losing with the Saints right here. It's a spot that I like to be in. It's a spot to where if the offense gets kind of shrunk down to like a macro or, or micro level, I'd like the Saints offense in that tiny situation that I like the Bears offense. Drew Brees only throws slants. He only throws little short hitches. Drew Brees can play in that short, contemporary, kind of in-a-box offense, especially with the run game paired with it. Uh, the Bears have to have more stuff go right for them. And I know it's a home game, but there's no such thing as home games this year. So I'm really, really, really feeling the Saints in this game. This will probably be one of my max plays on the week. Yeah, I might have to join you on that one, Cohen. Um, also, too, the Saints are fourth in the league against the run. I said the Bears are 32nd. I mean, if you're forcing Nick Foles into obvious pass plays with these pass rushers the Saints have, I think that bodes very, very well for this New Orleans team. I mean, I, I think these guys should be able to get to them. It looks like they're going to have all their pass rushers ready to go. Michael Thomas did practice today as well. Fortunately, Emmanuel Sanders is on the COVID list, um, but – you know, I think if Slant Boy goes, that's an even another plus, and I would feel even better about backing the Saints if Slant Boy's in there. Yeah, me too. Uh, Slant Boy, it, this has got the kind of game where he'll help you out in. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about the NFC West. Um, the 49ers are in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Maybe some more big wins in this game. Um, I see minus three right here on, on mine, which, which is just like uh, what it opened at. Um, a little bit more public money is on the Seahawks, um, and I think for a good reason, because the Seahawks got beat up pretty good in a game that I called that the Arizona Cardinals would win outright. Um, Same. I like the Seahawks to um, to take the, the the riding high 49ers who beat a bad Patriots team, and I, and I like them to kick them in the mouth to win by a full score. If it goes down to two and a half, you smack it like hell. But even at three, I, I like it. I like the Seahawks to win not big, but win by a good amount. Yeah, so um, I'm actually on the opposite side here on this one. Yes, I know the 49ers are very banged up, but I don't even think it matters at this point. So teams are often over – what? The, the, the Niners being banged up doesn't matter to me. We've played them before when they've been banged up, like, like, like whenever I, I played them against – or whenever I played the Eagles against them. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. The 49ers, they're, they have a good team identity with their coach. They're the same team, whether they're injured or not. 
Yeah, no, see, I agree with you completely, Cohen. And it's kind of like me and Cohen have talked about for a while with the Falcons, how we can't seem to beat anybody when they, we're all banged up. And that's what great teams do is they beat teams when they're all banged up. Yep. Um, Seattle's a little banged up too. Chris Carson's questionable. I definitely think that hurts if he does not able to go because uh, Travis Homer, who's like their third string running back, he's also a little questionable as well. So, and even Carlos Hyde is questionable, their second string running back. So this could be a team that loves to run the ball stuck without one. But from what I've read, Carson is not going to go. They, they're a little pessimistic to the fact that he's going to be able to play. Yeah. And you know, Carlos Hyde's going to be banged up in there and he's going to be banging against that San Francisco D line all game long. That doesn't bode well for him. Um, teams off an overtime game are two and 13 and one against the spread. They're one and 15. Um, and as a home favorite, if the line is greater than two and a half, which is this situation, they're one and 10 against the spread and uh, one and 11 against the spread as a home favorite. If the overtime total went over the last game, which is all those spots here, all that, all those numbers point here into, oh, and also if it's in division, they're one and seven against the spread. If they're the home favorite in the last eight games, all those numbers right there are pointing heavily towards playing on San Francisco, but that's not my only reasoning here. Seattle, in my opinion, just like the Bears, are probably the two most fraudulent teams in the league. Obviously, Seattle's better because they have possibly the MVP of the league and Russell Wilson playing quarterback for him. The MVP. I don't know if you can hand it to him that quickly. There's a guy in Arizona and Buffalo who've got a little something to say about that and Green Bay. I mean, Uh, I think the race is still wide open, especially uh, after last week. uh, This Seattle defense is awful. Awful. They're 32nd awful. in the league against the pass, 13 against the run, 23 against in total score, 29th in YPP, 32nd in number of plays. I mean, all those numbers are awful. Yes, this offense is amazing for Seattle and has been so far this year, but San Francisco is still third against the pass, ninth against the run, fourth in time on the field, fourth in number of plays, eighth in YPP. I mean, this San Francisco defense, it doesn't matter who's out there playing for them. They're still stout. I think San Francisco can throw some looks at them here to frustrate them. I think, I mean, I don't doubt or second San Francisco's going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. I love Brandon Ayuk as a fantasy player this week. I think San Francisco comes out here and plays the disrespected card. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan's going to say. I think they come out here and win this game outright, but I'm taking the three points to be safe. I like San Francisco a lot this week. Some books, uh, like on the FanDuel book, is, is it two and a half? Some books are at three. If it goes to Seahawks minus two and a half, that, that's when I would actually start smacking it. At three, I'll take it with a push, with, with, uh, with the risk for a push, but I am a little bit more nervous. Um, this right here, this next game, is the game that Jeremy Kuhn sent us a little nugget. Um, you brought up this point earlier, and I, I'm going to ride um, with the with, – with, this is like your kind of stat. Dallas is 0-7 against the spread this season. The first time Dallas has ever started 0-7 ATS. It's the short, it's 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 one short of the longest win streak ever to start a season against the spread over the last 20 years. It was Oakland in 03 who went 0-8 against the spread um, in their first eight games. So I will bet on the Cowboys plus eight and a half. I like the Eagles to win this division. I would like them in this spot, and I do think they'll win by seven. But I like the Cowboys to cover the spread at eight and a half. Even in, in the Cowboys' two wins so far this year, they've won by one and three points, respectively. They did not cover the spread. So I like in this week, week number eight in the NFL, for the Dallas Cowboys to cover the spread. What's the uh, public versus pro discrepancy in this game? Just wondering. Oh, oh the Cowboys have 10%. Eagles have 90 Another reason why I'm back in the Cowboys is because the the public is all over the Eagles. You know, Cohen, I don't know necessarily if I'm going to end up playing the side in this game. I might just try to hit the under or something in this game. But I'm in agreement with you, though. I don't think there's any way you can back the Eagles. Yeah, Jalen Rager is probable. Yeah, you have Alshon Jeffrey probable. Yeah, you have Miles Sanders, who's – who's a, a, or I mean, I guess Alshon Jeffrey and Miles Sanders are technically still questionable and Malik Jackson and Lane Johnson. Look, you got a little extra time to prepare and everything, but like you said, I don't really know if it even matters at this point. Like Dallas has been so bad against the spread. I feel like that Dallas is being disrespected here in this spot. I mean, yeah, they've been awful. They might be the second worst team in the league only to the Jets. I'm kind of agree with you though, man. I think it's, I think it's Dallas or passing this one. I don't think the Eagles should be, should be getting nine against anybody except for the stinky jets. I think if you're Dallas, you're disrespected here. This is your game where you try to come out, smack them in the mouth. You know, you're not, your season's not completely lost here. You get this win here. You're still alive to win the division. Yeah. This roster is horrible, but still, I think if Mike McCarthy's got anything left right here, Dallas gives it all they got in this game. I think nine's too much. I'd say, I'd say the same thing, probably like 27, 20 Philadelphia. 
Well, let's let's actually see uh, before we move on what the injury report is looking like. Is Andy Dalton going to be the quarterback, or is it going to be the same kid who started last week? I think it's going to be Danucci. Um, it, it says right here that, that with a concussion updated last on Sunday after the game, he's questionable for week eight, so I have no other news other than that. Um, if it is Danucci, I'm scared about playing eight and a half, but I have to. This is a spot that I will live and die in. Um, and also, the Cowboys were, were trashing the media all this week about being pussies, about not taking up for Andy Dalton, so that probably got mm-hmm. under their skin a bit. They're going to come out, and they're at least going to try to make this a game and I like them to lose by seven, but to cover the eight and a half. That's what I'm saying. I feel like if you have any competitive bone in your body, if you're Dallas here, you don't want to hear what they've been saying about you in the media all week, especially Mike McCarthy too. If you want to coach in the national football league for, if you're McCarthy, it's time, man, come out here and let them know what you can do. Um, the last thing I want to say about this game is they do get Zach Martin back. He's upgraded to probable. So, I mean, I think honestly that goes a long, long way right here in protecting Danucci and giving him a little bit of time to pass. Go hit, go hit the over on Zeke Elliott uh, rush yards. I, I'm sure right now it's probably at 70 something, but go hit the over on it. I, I, I bet he goes for a buck 30. Let me look and see actually what it is before we move on. Um, do they even have props out yet? Usually, I don't nope, see them posting not, until nope, later in the week. Not, not for the late game. Yeah, they have. They yeah, have and the Philadelphia is twenty six against the run, but they're ninth against the pass on defense. So I mean, that bodes well too for Dallas right there. I mean, shoot, Zeke holds onto that ball. I'd run him a hundred times. Yeah, I, I would too. I wouldn't let Danucci throw more than like twenty times. Um, let's see if, if if I can add a player. Um, I don't even think I can. Nah, well, later in the week, me and Penland will look and see what the um, what the what the over under is um, for his rush yards, and we will release a play on on his rush yards for the game. The last game that we are going to talk about is the Monday Night Football game between the Buccaneers and the Giants. Opened at ten. It's it's at eleven and a half now. The Giants are bad, but I don't know if they're eleven and a half points bad. Buccaneers have been looking good lately, and Brady's starting to get in midseason form. So is Gronk. So is the defense. Bruce Arians has got a really good team on his hands with Antonio Brown. I don't know how he's going to fit into this offense. If I if um, there's not much data out on this game yet, I'm not quite sure why the, the the spreads are being withheld from us. The only spread that I'm seeing right now is a William Hill spread, which they usually are the first ones to get it. Um, gun to my head, I'm gonna go Giants plus 11 and a half right here. Um. So wait, is Antonio Brown actually able to play in this game? Um, they said his suspension ended week eight. If I know anything about Bruce Arians, I would say that he's going to make him sit for a week and practice fully, and then, then he can come back in week nine. But he is officially a member of the team, and he can play. Okay, see, I didn't even realize that. I thought he had to sit out another week because he's still listed suspended on my fantasy app, so I just assumed I d- that. I don't think that's the case, um, which, hell, I, I, I haven't explicitly looked at this fact. But from what I know, he his suspension ends – um, ended at the end of last week. Um, he was suspended until week eight. Maybe that's incorrect, okay. but um, I'm pretty sure he could play this week. But if I do know anything about Bruce Arians, he's going to make him sit a week to earn his spot, quote unquote. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm actually going to agree with you again on, the, or I mean, sorry, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Cohen. I will say this Giants are 16 and three against the spread as underdogs in their last 17 games. Um, that goes well for you here, but I actually have something to counter here. If you look at this, every single team that has had a COVID threat that like had an entire um, group of players quarantine, whether it was the Patriots, um, whether it was the Raiders last week, there was like two other teams that it happened to. Every single one of those Titans. teams have gotten massacred against the spread. The Giants have had a little bit of extra time here to prepare, but look, I don't think this Giants team is going to be able to move the ball at all in this Bucks defense. This Bucks defense is something else. I personally think they're going to get them to turn the ball over a lot. I think the Bucs are going to absolutely blow them out of the water. I lean towards the under here, and I lean towards the Bucs as well at the points. To be honest, I'll probably end up laying the points with Tampa Bay for like a unit or half a unit. But, I mean, I really think this Tampa Bay team is second-best team in the NFL, only to Kansas City. And I'm not buying them because they have Tom Brady and Gronk and Antonio Brown and all them. I'm buying them because that defense. And defense is what wins you championships and what wins week in and week out. This defensive unit is nasty. And Dominican Sue looks motivated again. They replaced uh, um, Vita Veo with Steve McClendon. So, I don't think this team's missed a beat so far. I, I like the Buccaneers here, man. This team's something special. Also here, here's a free future bet as well. I'd go ahead and lock it in right now. Buccaneers win the NFC one unit is it's at plus three. So one unit wins you three units. I'd go ahead and take that at one as well. I think it has some value. 
Yeah, I had the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl in, 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 in my preseason prediction. Yeah, you did. I, hey, I'll give Cohen that. Hey, me and Cohen both picked the Buccaneers to win the division and the Saints to miss the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if that Saints miss the playoffs will happen. It, it's very, it could very well happen, but Buccaneers, we're looking good on that one. We sure are. Thomas Pimlin, is there anything else you want to add before we get the hell out of here and go watch some Atlanta Falcons football? Um, yeah, actually, I'll add one thing. So I'm not going to lie, guys. Last week was not a great week for me in, co in college football. Had some tough breaks and whatnot. I finished the week five and seven, which is not awful. I mean, South Carolina got murdered. That was my max bet. I did not see that one coming. I mean, we I had plus seven, and it closed at three and a half. Yeah. I thought it was a lock of the century, and it's still lost. So, I mean, I can hang my hat, and I'll lose that one 100 times out of 100 if I get that much line value. Um, I'm going to say this. I have a system, and it's worked for every single time these teams have played. In the AAC, if Tulane, SMU, Houston, UCF, or Memphis play each other. All these teams have prolific offenses. When you look at the defensive numbers, I don't even think these teams recruit defenses. They're I think shit. the guys who aren't good They're enough on shit. offense, just they tell them go play defense. These teams have some of the best offenses in all of college football and some of the worst defensive rated. They go over every single time. They have a total in Houston and UCF at 82 and a half this week. It opened at 78. I already hit it at 80. It's up to 82 and a half. I'd say still take it. The final score in this game will be in the hundreds. It's the highest total since West Virginia and Oklahoma when it was Kyler Murray versus Will Greer. They scored 107 points in this game. I'd be shocked if this game finishes anywhere under 100 points. Go ahead and hit that one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Penland, tell us where we can find you. Hey, find me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets. Um, appreciate everyone who tuned in once again, Cohen. I appreciate you having me on. And like I said earlier, guys, I'm proud of this man for making it almost through sober October. Just make it through tonight, Cohen, you're home free. Ladies and gentlemen, me and Thomas Penland did a podcast yesterday about the NBA because the NBA season is closer than you may think. Go check that out. It is on Hot Taste with TP3 on all major podcasting platforms. You can listen to that one right after you finish this episode. You can find me at TDDPod on Instagram. Um, or Twitter, you can go to the Facebook page for the Daily Degenerate Podcast, or you can find us on the Action Network, where you can find myself and Thomas Penland, um, where you can play our, our, our picks live as we make them, and you can be the first people to receive our picks. You can go check out my record. My MLB record was, was insatiable this year. My NFL Crazy record good. is already good. This man, Penland, um, he's, he, he's been really good at college football on there. So let, go on there. get us. It's a good way to check your, your, your picks, track your numbers see what your record is kind of see if your bet's going to hit in real time action did not pay me to say this i really do like the action network app and i think their play-by-play -play app where you can check the plays and the scores of games is better than espn and it refreshes quicker than espn's so ladies and gentlemen this has been episode 145 of the daily degenerate podcast thank you guys so much for checking us out like subscribe rate review do all that shit the millennials do tell us how you liked it reach out Hit us up. Tell us what your picks are. See you guys next week. Boom. Hey, good shit.